Okay, so we are looking at um, the miracle life of Jesus Christ. Our scripture theme, our scripture text is in Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. So uh, if you have your Bibles with you or uh, your phones or tablets, you can turn to Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. We're talking about uh, this critical point in the Word of God, in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, where the Gospels of Jesus Christ, the Gospels are the stories of the good news of Jesus. Like everything was just going on, things were happening, uh, you know, people were being developed. I think it was probably about 300 years before Christ showed up on the scene. You had Aristotle and Socrates and Plato and, you know, not like I play with my kids Plato, but Plato. And these great philosophers, these great thinkers. And they're um, talking about all of these great thoughts that they have. And Jesus shows up on the scene, and uh, you know he said, "I have some good thoughts for you." But the difference was, uh, he spoke as one with authority, and he said, "You know, don't just believe the words I say. Look at the works." So you'd have like people are expecting you, like, "Oh yeah, there's going to be a philosopher. Somebody's going to talk to us about big thoughts." So Jesus comes to talk about big thoughts, but there was something that was significantly different about him, and it was the way he spoke with authority and the works that he did. They set him apart. Because, yeah, oh, we've heard this stuff before. We've heard, you know, these things. And Jesus, maybe he obviously put it in a much different way that got their attention, that gets our attention. But still, if he didn't do the works that he did, how much different would he have been? Because I could tell you that I can point my hand up to that lighting truss and that thing is going to swing down that way. But, I mean, based on the knowledge that you have, you're probably thinking, that's a fake example. He's not going to do it right now. And it is, because that would be kind of heavy, uh, you know, to rig up to, to have, like, be an example. Uh, but Jesus spoke things like that, that were not realistic, that were out of the realm of possibility, and then they came to pass. Uh, of course, he did it because he uh, was from God and was anointed of God and did what God said to do. And he said, I came to show you the Father to reveal the Father to you. So, uh, you know, so much of what we're talking about, the foundation of what we're talking about is, of course, the example of Christ, that we look at him, and we don't look at him as some, uh, uh, I want to say this the right way, just as some deity that's set apart from us. He is the Son of God. He is God's Son. But we learned in Colossians that when he came and took on human flesh and human form, that he came and it says he laid aside his mighty power and glory and became as mere man, one translation tells us. So he became as man. Why did he do that? He came as one of us so he could set us free. Because in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, the sea, everything that's in them. And then the last thing he created, um, I won't mess this up again, was woman. You know, he created man and then woman. I got picked on before here. So mankind, he created mankind, and he said, I give you dominion over this. Now it's yours, you're in charge, do with it what you will. The Satan, of course, uh, the devil came, of course, in the form of a serpent and deceived mankind and uh, then usurped his position of rulership over the earth. And so that's why we look a lot of times, like, why are so many bad things happening on the earth if God's running everything? God's not running everything. He created it. He gave it to his man. His man usurped his authority, gave it away, and now the devil's running things. So uh, God is a God of justice. 
and truth and reality. And the only way he could get it back was for one man gave it up. We learned this in Romans chapter 5. Uh, if by one man's sin or offense, uh, death reigned. In other words, death came into the world, destruction came into the world. How much more by one man shall life come back? And so by that one man, Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ had to come as one of us to get it back. So he had to lay aside all of his benefits and power and position that he had with God to come and live a perfect life, a sinless life. So because God is so just, so that God could get back that authority to mankind. And so the only way that we have that authority, uh, because it was clearly seen without Christ that we couldn't do it, the only way we get that authority back is in Christ. So in Christ, we have authority over all of the power of the devil because Jesus Christ, uh, again, we learned in Colossians, he uh, says made a public spectacle of him. Some translations say like he paraded him through the straight streets nakedly. He defeated the devil so utterly, and then he gave authority to us. So just a little bit of background um, about Christ being our, our model. So let's read chapter uh, 1, verses 1 through 8, and then we'll uh, get to today's lesson. The former treaties or letter have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. So we saw what Jesus began to do, and we know if Jesus came to show us the Father, show us what God is like, show us what it would be like, he began something, and then he left right in the middle of it. I mean, he left at the prime of his life, at the prime of his ministry. He had just defeated the devil and took everything away from him, took all the keys away from him. And then he said, okay, see ya. And all of us would be like, well, wait a minute. That's like the wrong time to leave. We're just all gearing up now. I, I can believe this now. I'm seeing this now. And he leaves uh, because he begins something he wants us to continue. He wants us to complete. So all that Jesus began to do and to teach. So it must be that we're going to do something and we're going to teach something. Until the day he was taken up after he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandment. We talked about the inspiration, how he inspires us. We look at Christ, we look at what he did, and we start to think, wow, could life be like that? And then we start to say, could life be like that for me? He inspires us. And uh, then he gave a commandment to us. So when someone gives you a command, and I told my wife, uh, you know, probably several weeks ago now, go get me that uh, bottle of water, please. She can choose to obey or disobey that. So Christ gave us a command. Go into all the world, preach the gospel. We cannot choose to obey or disobey. And to the apostles who he had chosen, to whom he showed him alive after his passion, and this is where we're going today, verse 3, to whom he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days. I'll come back to that in a second. Speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you've heard of me. And I love to put myself in this, and I love to like close my eyes and imagine like I'm there, uh, I'm just so confused, almost defeated because Christ uh, who I loved and was teaching and I saw he was from God because all these things that he did and all of a sudden his life was taken away and I don't understand what's going on and all of a sudden he comes back and he raises and he's alive and I'm so excited and I'm starting to see some things and understand some things and he breathes on him and says receive the Holy Spirit and then he says but wait until you be endued with power from on high and I'm kind of like you got me now I mean Jesus you had me before but you really have me now because I, I thought I knew something, and this whole turned my world upside down, and now you're back from the dead, and you're telling me to wait for the promise of the Father. 
So I like to think about all the things that they must, the feelings they must have been having, the thoughts they must have been having, what people were saying to them. Like, he, you, you were with him and he raised from the dead? And like, I thought all that stuff that was happening was just like fanaticism or something. And like, he's raised from the dead now. So he's, it's in this atmosphere. Verse 5, for John truly baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days from now. When they were therefore come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power, but you will receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you'll be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost part of the earth. And so, praise God, that's awesome. Where we are going today is verse 3. Um, the apostles to whom he showed himself alive by his passion, uh, after his passion, by many infallible proofs. Many infallible proofs. So today we've been doing the word miracle as an acrostic, M, Christ our model, I, uh, Christ our inspiration, R, our response to the gospel, A, action as his delegates where he commanded them and, you know, we, we need to act, um, and then C, uh, the credibility of the gospel. So, Everything else we talk about, and I alluded to it in the introduction, if Christ uh, didn't raise from the dead, really none of this other stuff matters, because why? He would be like Plato or Socrates or somebody else, you know, and uh, he may have had a few works, obviously that set, the, set him apart from them, yeah. but if he died on the cross, how do we even have hope if that was the end, if there's nothing else? Excuse me. So we'll get to there in just a second. We'll go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 if you want to like turn ahead. But you look and you see on the scene all of this thinking, all of uh, people that have good things to say, and you can see the same thing in our world. You know, I, talked, I told you uh, a lot of this was taken from uh, T.L. Osborne, who went to heaven back in uh, 2013. And my wife and I had the privilege of sitting in um, a seminar that he did for seven weeks. I think we were there for six weeks of it. Because uh, I didn't know about it the first week. And, uh, you know, wonderfully used of the Lord. A missionary uh, to all the nations. And uh, really minimally to the United States. He kind of would come back and minister to ministers a little bit. But most of his life was overseas. Uh, overseas from the United States. So he would go to country after country after country. And their testimony was, they went uh, to India. I think it was 1956. I was like two years old. Just kidding. <laughs> I was like negative 20 or something, I don't know. Uh, 1956, and he set out. And I can relate to his testimony because I grew up in uh, a church that uh, preached the Bible. Um, I was going to say like not all of the Bible. I'm not trying to criticize the church, but they didn't emphasize some things or didn't know some things that, um, that we found out later. And um, as far as like the gifts of the Spirit, you know, that everything that was available in the book of Acts and, and the church at Acts that were part of the same church and that is all available today. Uh, Christ didn't ascend on high and give gifts unto men for like 70 years and say, you know, there's a time limit on these. You know, he said, actually, till we all come into the perfection of the faith, the fullness of Christ, the fullness of the knowledge of Christ. And I don't think any of us have arrived there yet. Uh, so... We find in our own society uh, in America, but not just in America, we find over in uh, any of the countries you want to talk about, they went to India, so I'll speak of India, that uh, there's a lot of different thoughts going around, a lot of different uh, ideas coming forth, and even 
even today with uh, the rise of ISIS and different groups like that, a lot of people have a lot of different solutions and thoughts. You know, it's a military solution or it's a political solution or it's a this, it's a that. You know, it's a gospel solution. And the truth is that we need Jesus Christ in the lives of people so the love of God can dominate them. That's really what it boils down to. If you don't have that, then uh, hatred will show up and people will be thinking of themselves because in our flesh we tend to uh, take that fallen nature that Adam got into the human race by you know, the initial act of uh, obeying the devil and disobeying God and believing the devil and disbelieving God. So they went to India and with good hearts and uh, knowing only what they knew and they took their Bible with them and they sat down with, uh, India is a very spiritual place, and um, they sat down with the people in India and tried to present their case for this is the one true God. And in India, if you're familiar at all, they have many gods. And uh, so they said, oh, well, we have a holy book too, and we have gods too, and sure, we'll add, we'll add your God to, as to one of our gods. No, 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 you don't understand. Like, this is, you know, you've got a book there, but this is the true book. This is the real book. Like, this is the one, this is it. Oh, yeah, we have holy books too. So they found themselves, how do I compete with that? Basically, they're trying to compete uh, philosophically or mentally or like reason, to reason it out and say, well, that doesn't make sense. You know, this makes sense, that doesn't make sense. Uh, and they found out real quickly that if you have the gospel, really, I don't believe you can have the gospel without uh, the true gospel without the power of God. First uh, Peter chapter one, verse twelve says, uh, "Unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us, did they minister the things which are now reported to you um, by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost." So when you have the gospel preached with the Holy Ghost, that means you're going to see like the Lord working with them, confirming the word with signs following. Jesus said, I'm not going to be here. I got to go away up in John. You know, I got to go up to heaven, but it's going to be better that I'm leaving. Really? <laughs> Seriously better that I'm leaving? It's like your father passing away, getting ready to pass away. And he's like, you know, son, I taught you a lot of things. Uh, and normally by that time, hopefully for most people, you know, you're older, your father's older. And you're kind of like, I'm going to leave now. I'm going to go to heaven, but it's better for you. And you're thinking, not really. I'm just now to the point where I realize how much wisdom you have. <laughs> but that's what Jesus said. He said, it's better for you that I go away because if I don't go, the comforter, the Holy Spirit won't come. He can't come. Uh, but if I go, then he'll come and he'll, he will show you all things. He'll guide you into all truth. He'll make uh, the things that I said to you real. He's the one that makes them real. So if you minister without the Holy Spirit, if you, if you endeavor to talk to people uh, without the Holy Spirit, if you're a preacher, if you preach without the Holy Spirit, if you uh, are a Christian and you're reading your Bible and you try to read the Bible without the Holy Spirit, you don't have that in, uh, infusion of life and light that you could have. You don't have that understanding that comes only from the Holy Spirit. Because there's a lot of people that could probably quote uh, passages of the Bible or maybe the entire Bible better than I could. And even uh, me ministering to you right now, there's no better way to receive from the Word of God or someone that is anointed of God than to be looking to the Holy Spirit and asking Him, what have you got for me? 
Because I've been in meeting after meeting after meeting. Some people that I think are some of the most phenomenal ministers. And even some people that I think are not too hot of ministers. But the Holy Spirit's always there to show me, yes, that's right, that's right, go ahead with that. Or like, that doesn't really line up with this scripture. That doesn't line up with this scripture. So, you know, we learn in the epistles that we don't need any man teach us because we have the Holy Spirit. But he gave gifts to men, and one of those gifts is teaching. Uh, you know, it's the, the five-fold ministry gifts. So it's a working together. I love how Jesus and God the Father set it up. He set it up, you know, it's not of works. It's not because people are like good people so that nobody can say, hey, look at me. I'm doing this. Like, I can't say, hey, look at me. You know, if you feel like, you know, you've been blessed and learned and grown, it's because of the Holy Spirit. You know, we learn in Romans that um, you don't have anything that you haven't received. So you might receive great revelation. Paul received, I think, some of the greatest revelation that you would ever see. And he wrote it in book after book after book after book. But he's no one. Jesus is the one that brings the revelation, that brings the life, that brings the light. Um, Paul, that's what I like to think for myself. It really helps me. I just think, you know, Tim, if you can just yield to the Holy Spirit... And let him work through you. Let him talk to you. Uh, a lot of people say, well, the Lord never talks to me. Well, probably because you do all the talking. You ever go to prayer? I have. And you pray, and especially if it's a real urgent situation. Oh, Lord, we've got to take care of this and this and this and this and this and this. Oh, in Jesus' name, amen. And you realize, like, you know what? I didn't listen at all. I just, like, uh, regarded so lightly the ability that I have to speak to God the Father in the name of Jesus, and Jesus has taken that prayer directly to the Father, and I just like held it in such low regard that I'm just like, oh, let me tell you, da, 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 da. okay, thanks, bye. And, you know, we do it inadvertently because like we're talking about Christ as our model. He showed us how to do it. So he's going throughout teaching, preaching, healing, delivering, setting people free. And the way that God's going to do that today uh, for the lost and for you and for me is through his body, through believers. So if someone else comes up to you or you come up to me and I feel like because I'm the pastor, I got to tell you everything and all this type of stuff, you know what? You could have a, a precious jewels from God that I need to hear. Because you're a believer and you have the Holy Spirit and God works through his body. There's many parts of the body. Not everyone has the same function or the same part. But I know some of the greatest uh, blessings spoken into my life have even been through a brand new believer. And they're like, not even realize that they're ministering to you. They're like, hey, you know, I, I was reading this or doing this. And you're just like, you know, that's awesome. And it helps you to stay under the mighty hand of God and say, you know what? God is running this thing. You're not running it. I'm not running it. The Lord's uh, running it. We're just under his authority doing what he says. And also takes a lot of pressure off of us. You know, actually the uh, short, a little short version here, but the way the Lord got me to come out here to pastor was I was an associate pastor in a large church, and I enjoyed helping and going to the senior pastor and finding out what's your vision, what vision is the Lord giving you, let's implement it. Uh, you know, I felt like I could do that fairly well as long as I was told what it was and um, I enjoyed that and felt like I could do that and so I was praying to the Lord one day and said you know like I know you want me to like be a senior pastor but you know I feel like I'm a great second what I call a second 
And the Lord said to me, he said, that's what I want you to do. And I said, what do you mean? He said, I want you to be my second. The same way you would go to the pastor that you could see and feel and touch, I want you to come into my presence and say, okay, Lord, here's this church. What do you want done with this in every area? And oh, man, like this burden, like, whew, lift it off. And I said, I can do that. And then, of course, you feel like an idiot because you're like, well, duh, you're not supposed to do it on your own anyhow. You know, what were you thinking in the first place? But the Lord, he knows each of us better than we even know ourselves. And he knows the right words to say it. And not only the right words, but the right way to say those words, the right way to present those words. And if we're ministering or talking to someone, maybe I shouldn't use the word ministering, if we're interacting with someone and we have a nudge on the inside or a leading or, you know, you should talk about this or you should say this or you should say that. You know, the Lord, uh, we learn in Proverbs that the spirit of uh, man is the candle of the Lord searching all the inward parts of the valley, Proverbs 20, 27, meaning like it's the light of the Lord. The spirit of the Lord is the light of the Lord uh, lighting all the inward parts of the belly. So he's going to lead us and guide us through our spirits. You know, Romans 8, 24 through 26 talks about spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we're the children of God and makes groanings with words that can't be uttered, things that we don't necessarily uh, understand in our, in our mind. And we're interacting with someone. If we interact with them with the Holy Spirit, you'll say the right things. You'll do the right things. Things will come out that you didn't expect needed to come out. And, uh, you know, I alluded to it a little bit last week with the gifts of the Spirit. If you're not aware of these things, and even if you are aware of them, but you don't pay attention to them, you don't give them place into your life, you don't expect them to happen, they won't happen. Because uh, desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy for the edifying of the church, the building up of the church. So you desire these things to operate. You have a heart's desire, and then you make yourself available, and you're not focused on yourself, but you're focused on the body of Christ. And I, I want this to happen, that to happen. You know, I was... Um, I fly almost every week right now. In fact, I've been very blessed. The last three flights, I, I have like four segments normally, two segments out and two segments back. So the last three segments, they have automatically upgraded me to first class. And that's really nice, yeah, because I'm sitting, I'm like trying to transfer and I don't have time a lot of times to get something to drink or eat. And so then this time I was transferring and I had a chance to get something to eat, but I did it before security, so I couldn't take a drink through. And I'm like, oh, I'm really thirsty, but I got to go to the bathroom. I'm going to make a choice. Which one do I want to do? Okay, it's probably more important that I go to the bathroom. So I uh, get on the plane and I'm like, and then I thought when I was in the bathroom, I thought, oh, I'm in first class. They're probably going to give me a drink. So I got a drink. So anyhow, uh, but uh, this last flight on Friday night, I'm coming home. I'm at Detroit airport. And uh, so they get ready to board the plane. All of a sudden they come out. We apologize. Um, there's been a problem, mechanical problem. This plane is grounded. It can't fly. And, uh, you know, that's not news you like to hear uh, when you're coming home, especially. And so, uh, but I wasn't upset. I just was like, oh, Okay. And uh, so they said, but we've got another plane, but it's in another concourse. You've got to go all the way over to another concourse. So I go to, I don't know if you've been in Detroit, but there's tunnels with lights and music and stuff. So I'm going through there, go to the tunnel, go to the next gate. And they get us boarded, probably took another, we were probably 30 minutes delayed at that point, maybe 45. Get on the plane, get in the seat, get my drink, <laughs> settled in. And um, uh, the pilot comes on and says, well, we've got a small problem. They just painted this plane, brand new paint job. And uh, there's a dent. 
Not a big deal, we can still fly with it, but they gotta write something up. So we thought, okay. Well, long story short, that didn't work either. They had to move us to another plane. So we're on our third plane. And when we had seated on the second plane, I'm sitting there and nobody's sitting next to me. You know, and they're bigger seats anyhow. And it's not a real big plane, it's like a 75-seater, so it's, you know. Um, uh, well, when we moved to the third plane, then a lady that was in the back came up and sat next to me. And uh, uh, I thought, uh, I said, oh, that's cool. I said, they, they uh, upgraded. She's like, well, I could have sat up here before, but I was talking to the guy. And so I just thought, I, I need to sit up here. I'm going to sit up here. I said, oh, okay, that's, that's cool. Well, I had had a, a, a very uh, long week, an intense week, uh, at the office back there. And uh, they're going through some uh, big changes and uh, difficult times and stuff. And so I was quite tired and uh, didn't really want to talk to anybody. I wasn't like, I'm so exhausted, I'm falling asleep. But, you know, so she sits down and she starts talking. I thought, I need to talk to this lady. So we start talking. And, uh, you know, to make a long story short, she had had, uh, man, such a difficult uh, experience in her life. You know, her husband had cheated on her with a woman and then cheated on the woman he was cheating on with, with another woman. And she was feeling devastated and like, what am I supposed to do? And so anyhow, I got to encourage her and pray with her. And we had a, a really good time the whole flight. But you see, like, I could have just had my headphones on, sitting there, because I'm tired, you know, and um, uh, missed an opportunity for the Lord to use me to speak into her life. And we got to talk for probably like an hour and a half, I think it was, and had a really good time. And she had to leave. Uh, I had a, uh, what do you call it, gate check bag, and she left, and she said, okay, goodbye. But then she ended up being at the curb, so my wife got to meet her when she picked me up uh, at 1230 in the morning or 1245 or something. <laughs> because uh, it was late. And uh, so it was, a, it was a really good experience. But the reason I relate that is because uh, that's not because I'm a pastor or a minister. There are opportunities like that for believers every day, all the time. And we have to make ourselves available. And it's the same coming into the presence of God. When we uh, go to pray, if we come into the presence of God and we have an agenda, we will get through our agenda in prayer with the Lord. But we might not hear any responses. We don't get his input. And it's real easy, uh, especially if you're a talker, to give all of your input to the Lord or to somebody else and then not get the answer that you needed. And uh, I think uh, one, one way of thinking that uh, is harmful to us many times is we feel like, you know, with the Lord, I act like this. I may have treated my family this way or I may have treated my friends this way or my coworkers this way, but with the Lord... I don't do that. Well, your tendencies really tend to be the same in all areas. So if you're letting your flesh dominate you with one group of people, you're probably letting your flesh dominate you in your relationship with the Lord. I've at least found that to be true uh, in my life. So it's important that we uh, stay humble and stay yielded. And, um, but the gospel is not credible without the supernatural without the miraculous. So let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you're over in 1 Corinthians 14, I think you just probably have to turn a page. And let's look at verse 13 through probably 17. But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? 
And if Christ is not risen, then's our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we've testified of God that he raised up Christ, who he did not raise up, if so be that the dead don't rise. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ is not raised, your faith is vain, and you're yet in your sins. Did I say something backwards? No, you didn't. <laughs> you know, the point of all those words is if Christ is not raised, everything that we're believing is, is vain. There's no reason for it. But if he is raised, uh, you know, and actually Paul says, I don't know if he goes on and says, if that's the case, we are of all men most miserable. <laughs> if it's not true. But we know that it is true. Well, how do we know that it is true? Well, uh, my wife and I, in 2005, we went to uh, the Philippines. Wonderful country. I love the Philippines. And um, uh, it's a great place, I think, to go on a uh, missions trip uh, uh, if you're from America because they speak English there. Most of the people speak English. There's a few. We went to some church, uh, a church where there were quite a few, maybe, I don't know, half the people didn't speak English and I needed a translator. But for the most part, uh, people speak English, understand English, and uh, they love America and Americans. So you have like an in right away because General MacArthur went, you know, when the Japanese were controlling and kind of took over and uh, they really liked that. So a great place to go. But we, uh, I went to a church. I intended to bring it this morning. I guess I forgot. But I still have the notes. Uh, I preached a message on faith at a, uh, at a home, home group Bible study. And I'm teaching a message on faith and just really having a good time. <clears throat> and the church was a charismatic church. So they're used to like people come lay hands on them and they'll fall out in the spirit and um, everything that goes along with that. And I was aware of that. And in my heart, at the end, I felt like I needed to pray for him. So I said, you know, if you have uh, any sickness in your body, you need uh, uh, prayer, hands laid on you, I want you to come forward. So I think about five people came forward and a group of probably, I don't know, 60 people or something like that was a large group for the size house it was. So they come forward and um, I th just in my heart, I thought, you know what, don't, don't pray for them standing up. So I said, I want you to sit in the chairs. Because I don't want them like, okay, I'm ready, you know, all this. I want to, um, you know, sometimes what you get familiar with, you don't, uh, you don't receive from. So I don't want them to be too familiar. I want them to receive from the Lord. I don't want them to receive from me. Now, I want them to receive what I have from the Lord, but I want them looking to the Lord. And so I don't want them focusing on, like, am I fallen or not fallen, which some people can do. So anyhow, I just felt I should do it. So I put them in the chairs. And I go along praying for him, and <clears throat> I pray for the first person. And this won't always happen, but this time it did. Like, everyone was instantly healed, instantly healed, instantly healed. So I get to the last one, and it was the pastor's wife's mother. And so she's not born again. And over there, um, uh, there's a real, there's a religion that dominates that's very religious in nature. And, um, you know... It's, uh, I don't know, it's, it's Catholicism. So not all Catholics are born again, but not all non-dominational people are born again. So I'm not picking on the Catholics, but uh, she wasn't. And there in uh, the Philippines particularly, it was really, became more of a religion than a relationship. And uh, they didn't even, the people, they like, don't use the word born again because the Catholics don't like that word. And I thought, well, it's in the Bible. 
You know, it's in the Bible. So this uh, pastor's wife was really wanting her mother to be born again. And she had been telling me about it, you know, (laughs) a couple days. And um, she didn't have any trouble being direct with me. So she's telling me this, telling me this. And so I go, uh, and I didn't have a salvation call or anything. So I go to lay hands. I'm getting ready to lay hands on her mother who had, was it really bad arthritis? She couldn't hardly, and she was in super severe back pain. And um, the pastor's wife comes over and she whispers in my ear, she's not born again. She's not born again. I said, I know, I know. And so I said, now I'm going to lay hands on you, and the power of God's going to come on you, and you're going to be healed. And she's like, what? She's not born again. I said, I, said, I know, just hold on. Just trust me. Just hold on. <laughs> so I lay hands on her, and her mother is instantly healed. And she stands up, and she starts dancing and jumping, and she's like, whoa. And I said, I felt bad. But I said, okay, mama, hold on, hold on. And she's looking at me like, are you nuts? <laughs> and I said, okay, now listen, the same Jesus that just healed you wants to save you and wants to come into your heart. Would you like to receive him? And she said, yes. And so we prayed together and she received Christ, was made a new creature. And then I said, now let's dance. And we danced together. And uh, so it was a tremendous experience, but uh, that's what we're talking about. Because I could talk and talk and talk and talk, especially when you get people that are bound by tradition or religion, or something that they've known their whole life. And Paul said, I come to you, 2 Corinthians you know, chapter 2, I think we talked about it last week, um, not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And demonstration of the spirit and power uh, is not the subject But just to list a few things, of course, healings, deliverance, filled with the Holy Spirit, but also teaching, preaching, flowing with the Holy Ghost. It's what I was talking about really most of the message is like we want to let the Holy Spirit show up in our lives. And he'll show up in many different ways. And um, is he working in your life? Is he working in your church? We talked about that last week. Here's how he's going to show up. These are the workings of the Holy Spirit. So the more that we give him access, the more we say, okay, Holy Spirit, not me, but you. You're going to see more of these things. So you'll have the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, uh, discerning of spirits, uh, you know, the revelation gifts, the vocal gifts, special faith, uh, power gifts, so on and so forth. And this is how he works. But the one thing uh, we have to understand about the Holy Spirit is he is a perfect gentleman. I try to be a good gentleman. I'm not a perfect gentleman. I'm working at it, right? But he's a perfect gentleman, so he's not going to force you to do anything. Uh, The devil and demons will force and maneuver and manipulate. That's not the Spirit of God. Thank God. The Spirit of God gives you a gentle nudge and says, hey, look at this. Do you see this? Do this. Go this way. But never forces you, never makes you, just makes the way wide open and says, here's the way, now walk in it. And so... Um, thank God for the Holy Spirit. I know uh, when I was, uh, I think I mentioned it last week, but before I was filled with the Spirit, you know, at the, uh, that event in North Carolina, or after the event in North Carolina, uh, I had a lot of apprehension about receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit uh, because I had heard a lot of different things. It's from the devil, or it's past, or it's this, it's that, or whatever. But I was hungry and searching, and so I was studying and trying to learn, and... Uh, um, before, you know, I was with my best friends at the time, and uh, 
it was him and his wife and then his parents and his mother was filled with the Spirit, so it was his father. So his mother said, you know, if you guys like to be filled with the Spirit, so she laid hands on his wife and then him. And then, of course, I knew what was coming. Like, would you like, and I, like, I was kind of like looking forward to if this day was ever coming. I was kind of afraid that this day would ever come at the same time. And she said, you know, would you like, you know, me to pray for you to be filled with the Spirit? And I said, you know, I don't really know. All I know is I feel like I'm in church and I need to go to the altar. And as soon as I heard those words come out of my mouth, I said, oh, okay, yes. Because I knew the leading of the Lord for salvation. I've been brought up in a, you know, a good Baptist church. Or not brought up, but the last few years I was there in the Baptist church. And, um, you know, we'd have altar calls and people would come forward. And you could just sense the Holy Spirit drawing people. And you knew, like, you knew, you knew that. And um, so I was very familiar with that. And uh, it was the same spirit that was saying, yes, you need to go, go ahead. So I did, and I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And some people maybe like shout and dance and all this stuff. I started whispering in other tongues. And then the next day I was going on a ski trip with some single people, and so I drove my friend's truck to go to the ski trip, and nobody taught me, I didn't know anything. I just had this experience, and it was in my heart. And so I, for an hour and a half on my drive, I just prayed in other tongues while I'm driving, driving up to the ski resort, you know, building myself up. And um, awesome experience, but followed the leading of the Lord. And he dealt with me the way he knew he needed to deal with me. Sometimes, uh, you know, we are to tell our testimony. Your testimony has an anointing on it for you to speak more than anointing for anybody else to speak your testimony. My testimony, I'm the most anointed person to tell that testimony. And... um, but sometimes, because there is such an anointing on your own testimony, we sometimes want to take other people and fit them into our testimony. Like, here's how you're going to receive the Holy Spirit, for instance, in talking of receiving the Holy Spirit. Or, you know, like this lady received healing this way, so, you know, she could have a tendency to say, like, you know, this is how you're going to receive healing. You've got to sit down, first of all, <laughs> so on and so forth. Or people like, you've got to stand up. Uh, God's not into formulas and methods. He's into truth. And, you know, when you study the, the gifts of the Spirit, one of the things I really like about them, and really of the Holy Spirit, on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, they were all together in one place, and suddenly the Holy Spirit fell. And you look over in Acts, uh, later on in Acts, and then the epistle, suddenly the Holy Spirit fell. So um, if we could figure out God, I think, uh, like Pastor Mark says, we'd all be a little disappointed <laughs> if you could figure out God. Uh, but besides that, if we could figure out God, I think we'd kind of uh, get into pride and not rely upon him. And so there was always an element of vibrant living Christianity where we're constantly holding on to him. We're trusting him. We're looking to him. And there's certain things that we know. We know that uh, we're born again. We know, uh, you know the things that we know of redemption, salvation, uh, healing, uh, you know, we're not under the curse of poverty and lack. He set us free. But never know so much that you don't trust and rely and hang on to him. And that'll serve you well through your life and my life. And if Jesus waits uh, through our children and grandchildren and so on and so forth. Uh, but the gospel is a credible gospel. And I kind of danced around it a little bit, but... 
the gospel of Jesus Christ, Christianity, is the only credible um, belief system in the earth. We're the only one where our founder uh, died and rose again and is still alive. And we're actually the only one where the head of the, the religion, if you can even call it that, comes to live inside of us. Um, amazing. So we of all religions are credible. And one of the things that, that I like to think about from the Word of God is that when you're born again, maybe you didn't have an incurable disease. I've, I've been healed of incurable disease. I've had the opportunity to pray for people and watch them instantly healed. Um, and then watch people begin to amend and then not even know that somebody had a difference. And later on, years later, they come up and say, oh, it was tremendous. I was set free. Um, but if you don't have a lot of those experiences, uh, those are there for you. But the number one experience when you're born again is that the love of God is just poured in abundance in your heart and my heart. And we learn in First John that we know we've passed from death spiritual death, unto life, eternal life, the life and nature of God, because we love the brethren. So that's why if you hear me say, you know, I'm a jerk without Jesus, jerks without Jesus or whatever, <laughs> that is supernatural. There is a love in me that was not there before. And I was a good kid. I was not a perfect kid. Obviously, I made a lot of mistakes. Uh, but before I was born again, I was, a, I was a, what people would probably consider a good kid. But I notice the love of God is different and there's something there constraining me. So that's supernatural. That's beyond uh, the normal. It's not something uh, that uh, I try to do. It's not a work. It's something I try to give place in my life, if that makes sense. I yield to the love of God inside of me. And I like to give that example in this message, especially because uh, sometimes, uh, you know, we always go to the spectacular and we miss the supernatural. And uh, the supernatural is the love of God. And it's also, you know, instant miraculous healing. Somebody getting, getting up out of a wheelchair, you know, whatever might, you might picture in your mind. is like, oh, this is amazing. Uh, blind eyes being open, arms grown out. Uh, but we don't want to relegate it just to that. Because when you go out to talk to people that you're friends with, your neighbors with, uh, your coworkers with, and when I do the same thing, you know, I can say, you know what, I used to act like that. In fact, sometimes I still act like that when I don't let my spirit man dominate, when I kind of get off and try to do stuff on my own. But I can overcome that because the overcomer lives in me, and he gives me power to overcome. So he'll give you power to overcome. And then, you know, we'll get into it in the other lessons here, but then this is when the fun part comes in. That's why this series is so fun once you get to this point and go on is because uh, you don't have to heal anybody. You can't heal anybody. You don't have to do a sign or wonder or anything like that. The Lord confirms his word with signs following. So you just speak the word and whatever somebody needs, even if it's beyond what you're, you've ever seen or your mind can handle, you don't, have, you don't really focus on that. You focus on helping them receive from Jesus and what the Word says, and you let Him do His part, we do our part. Because like we said before, God's up there, He has awesome things He wants to do for mankind, but He cannot do them without a flesh and blood body to do it in. Otherwise, He would do it. So um, we don't want to find ourselves praying, oh Lord, move and do this and do that, uh, especially like in our church or our area where we're here, um, but even overseas, without us doing something. 
So you can pray for a country that's on your heart, but I would uh, at least send somebody that's doing something there some kind of offering, you know, maybe connect with somebody because that's something you can do. And if you, if you can, I would, if a country's on your heart, I would say like, I want to find a group of people that I can go, maybe I can go on a team and go help because uh, if that Lord has put something on your heart, it's for a reason. And normally, you know, if you start praying for the country long enough, really, just let that country or that group of people or that family or whatever it is, let that burn into your spirit. And I, I pretty much guarantee you, you'll find yourself involved in some way because the way God works is through flesh and we're flesh. And uh, uh, he wants to use you to change people's lives and to bring life and light into their situation. So if you'll stand with me, uh, I'm going to uh, pray as we close. And, you know, if you're, if you're here and uh, you're not uh, born again or you're listening and you're not born again, uh, in other words, Christ has not come to live in your life, uh, Jesus said you must be born again. In other words, you have to become a new creature. Second Corinthians tells us, any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We're three-part beings, spirit, soul, and body. And if you've never received Jesus Christ, then in your spirit, you need to be born again. And uh, if you have, but you've never been um, baptized with the Holy Spirit or filled with the Spirit, the Bible uses both uh, terms, you can be filled with the Spirit here today. You can be born again here today. You can come afterwards. You can call us up, email us, uh, uh, whatever way you feel you need to, to do it. But if you're not born again, I encourage you to receive Jesus Christ. Don't, don't go one more day, one more moment without him because you cannot live a successful life without him. And he will do everything uh, in you that needs to be done. You cannot clean yourself up enough. You cannot make yourself right enough. You cannot uh, do enough things that you're good enough to come to him. While we were messing up, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. God so loved the world that he gave Jesus Christ for us. So he loves you just the way you are. Even if you don't love yourself, he loves you that way. Uh, and he wants you to come to him so he can make you clean and brand new. And uh, he wants you to not only be born again, but to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, don't, don't go out, he said, without this experience. Uh, be filled with the Spirit. There's many benefits. Um, so if you're here this morning and either of those cases fit you, or you, you, maybe you're away from God and you need to come back, you can just slip up your hand um, or come forward and I'll pray with you and for you. And, um, you know, the Lord loves you. And his thoughts concerning you are so good. And what you may have experienced in life, what you may have experienced uh, through the intent or unintentional actions of other people, Jesus will take his life and his love and pour it in fullness into that part that hurts so much, into that part that uh, seems so impossible and that maybe is so closed down that you don't want anyone, uh, you're just so scared to even open up that part. Uh, he wants to pour his healing salve of the Holy Spirit into you and touch you at that point and heal you. He's into healing. He's into setting free. He's into giving life. He's into bringing hope. 
He's into showing you love like you've never known it before. Heavenly Father, I just pray for each person that uh, is listening to this. Father, I pray uh, that you'd give to each and every person an understanding of your love, the height, the width, the depth, the length, how intensely you love us, how intensely you desire for us to be close to you and to be near to you. Father, we thank you for your word that with your word and the Holy Spirit, all things are possible. So Father, we uh, just declare that we're taking your word, putting it into our hearts and into our lives. We give your word first place, just like we would Jesus if he were standing right here with us. And Father, we are asking you by your spirit to teach us, help us to grow, help us to learn, and make us a mouthpiece and make us a body holy, filled, and flooded with Christ himself. Fill us fresh and new with your Holy Spirit today. In Jesus' name, amen.